Thank you for joining us for another life-giving message from City Church Now in Progress. We're in the Christmas season. Uh, many would call it Advent, where we celebrate and anticipate the birth of this, our Savior, Jesus. But not only that, we also look forward with anticipation to his imminent return. How many believe that Jesus is coming back? The scripture says, no man knows the day or the hour, but this is what I do know, that every day you and I live, we draw one day closer to his imminent return. And so Advent is a time that we not only look back and celebrate the birth of Jesus, the first Advent, the first appearing or the first appearance of Jesus, but it's also a time when we look forward in anticipation to his return. It is appropriate then for us to look to a text that reminds us specifically of the reason for this season. I know that we've made it about a lot of things, gift giving and the exchange of gifts, and we've made it about family and friends. But ultimately, God's original intent is his eternal intent for Christmas. And this time of year, we remember the reason for the season that Jesus was born to bring salvation to bring peace on earth and goodwill toward all men. Amen? So we're going to look back uh, to the advent of Jesus in the scriptures, and we're going to examine the life of a young lady named Mary. In fact, I've chosen chosen for the title of today's message simply this, uh, Life Lessons from a Teenage Mom. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary, Mary is a significant figure in all of scripture, yet it seems like as you examine her life, there's not much said about her except what we find in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. Everywhere else in scripture, it seems like she makes these cameo appearances. She enters stage, stage left and exits stage right. It's almost like she's just another cast member. Not a whole lot. We don't know where she died. We don't know much about how she lived or how she raised Jesus. There there, there are glimpses of her story and her life, mainly headlines, not a whole lot of details. But this morning, there's a lot we can learn from what we do know. In fact, the scripture says it this way in Deuteronomy 29 and 29. It says the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that are revealed to us belong to us and our children forever. I've been a pastor long enough to know that sometimes we get fixated on the things we don't understand or can't explain. Yet God has said explicitly in his word that the secret things, the things that he has chosen to withhold from us, belong to him. There are certain questions on this side of eternity that you will never get an answer to because the secret things belong to the Lord. But the things that have been revealed belong to us and they belong to our children forever. That means we can rest and find comfort and encouragement and solace in what God has revealed instead of being fixated on what he has not revealed because that belongs exclusively to him. So as we look to the scripture, there's a whole lot we don't know about Mary. What we're going to focus on, though, is what we do know and what has been revealed about this teenage mom. Long before MTV decided to chronicle the lives of teenage moms, the scriptures captured the story of this young woman from a nondescript, insignificant hamlet, a little town called Nazareth. In fact, we don't know a whole lot about Nazareth except in John chapter 1, Nazareth had this reputation, had this testimony. Can anything good Come out of Nazareth? Listen to me, City Church. The backdrop of the story of Christmas is not set in Frisco or Prosper or one of the finer neighborhoods of Israel. It is set in one of the abandoned towns that sat, listen to me, that sat only on 10 acres. Nazareth was the kind of town that people were leaving. Nobody was moving to Nazareth. Yet when God chose to send his son into the earth, the long-awaited Messiah, he chose a place that was despised and rejected. If you've ever felt like a misfit 
if you've ever felt like you didn't fit in, if you've ever felt like you weren't qualified, can I announce to you this morning, City Church, that you are a perfect candidate for the favor of God. The scripture declares that he hasn't chosen many wealthy, many knowledgeable, many successful, but he chose the things that were despised in order to confound the wise. God still wants to show up in your Nazareth. And if we're honest with ourselves this morning, City Church, all of us got a little bit of Nazareth that could use a visitation from God. And that's where God wants to show up. Not in the perfectly manicured, perfectly set areas of our lives. Not the public life that we're comfortable sharing with people. I'm talking about the private life that you wish didn't even exist. I'm talking about the part of your life that you wish would go away. I'm, I'm talking about the part of your life where you, where you feel stuck. And that it's always going to be this way. Because that's the way life in Nazareth was. It was cycle after cycle. Pattern after pattern of the same old, same old. And of all the places that God could have shown up, he chose to show up in Nazareth. To speak to you and I this morning that even in Nazareth, great things can happen. Are y'all with me? And of all the people he could have chosen, he doesn't choose a young lady from the wealthiest family. He doesn't choose a lady from the most powerful family. He chooses an ordinary maiden, a teenage mom, through whom he will fulfill a promise. I want you to hear this, City Church, a promise that had that had kept the people waiting, not for decades, but for centuries. Now this promise that God made, in fact, it goes all the way back 6,000 years to the Garden of Eden to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, when God said to the serpent that you will bruise the seed of the woman's heel, but he will crush your head. And for 6,000 years, all of Israel waited in anticipation for God to fulfill his promise. Man, I've been waiting on God to do some things, but check this out. It hadn't been 6,000 years. Imagine, Josh, the realization that everything you have read and studied in the Torah, in the Holy Scriptures, is now about to be fulfilled through you. That this long-awaited Messiah who God said would deliver Israel from oppression is now going to come through your body. Imagine the weight and the burden that she must have felt to say, this same Jesus that I've read about will come into the earth through me. There are some lessons we can learn from the magnitude of this story and this teenage mom. I'm fascinated with the story because every time I read it, I realize that God's thoughts are not my thoughts. I don't know about you, but I've got a 14-year-old daughter, a nine-year-old son. I only want the best for them. If I'm God and I'm sending my son into the earth, man, I'm looking for the best accommodations for him. I'm looking for the most stable family. I'm trying to hook him up to make sure that his life on earth is as easy and as effortless as possible. But he sends him to a family in a town called Nazareth that's sitting only on 10 acres where Bible historians say that half of the children who were born died at birth. That the life expectancy in Nazareth was only 32 years old. And of all the places that God could have chosen, he sends his son. Listen, listen to me now. I think there are a lot of things we lose in this story 
Because if I'm the child of God, the son of God, I'm tra- God hooked me up. Because the favor of God means that I've got the biggest house, the biggest car, and all my needs met. Yet when Jesus is brought to the temple, Mary and Joseph don't even have a lamb to offer. Instead, they bring two turtle doves, which was the sacrifice of people in poverty. Why would God treat his son this way? Can, can, I, can I just say to you that I think that sometimes as Christians, this whole thing of walking with Jesus and taking up our cross is lost on us? That we forget that Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, said it this way? His prayer was that I may know him, number one. It's like, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to know you intimately and personally. And then number two, he said, I want to know your power, the power of your resurrection. I don't want to be some kind of feeble person just walking around and every wind that blows takes me out. If I get a, 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 a what's this song, hangnail? It upsets my schedule. I can't do nothing because somebody says, no, no, Paul says, I want to walk. I want to walk in the power of your resurrection. Number one, I want to know you. Number two, I want to walk in power. Somebody say power. Power. Here's the third thing he said. Here's the third thing he said. He said, and I want to walk in the fellowship of your sufferings. That's what Paul prayed. I just don't want to know you. I don't just want your power. But he said, I want to walk in the fellowship of your sufferings. And this promise keeper, after thousands of years, as he's writing the story of Messiah and the Savior, chooses the backdrop of Nazareth. Not only that, of all the women he could have chosen, he chooses this teenager named Mary. And there's a lot that we can learn from Mary's life about God's faithfulness. And this is where we begin. Because I think there are four lessons we can learn from Mary as we look to the text in Luke chapter 1. And we'll begin at verse 26. But before we do that, before we do that, there's a companion text, I think, that goes along with Luke chapter 1. And most of you know it by heart. It's lifted from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Because today, the lessons that we learn from this teen mom are, well, begin with the lesson of trust. Notice what Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 say. It says, trust in the Lord every now and then. When conditions are perfect and ideal, No, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Number two, lean not to your own understanding. That means give up your right to be right. That means realize that what you know and your understanding is finite. Trust in the Lord. Lean not to your own understanding. Number three, it says, in all your ways. Acknowledge him. Can I tell you one of the ways that we miss the mark almost every day? Is that we make our plans and ask God to bless them. Instead of inviting God into the process and saying, God, what is your plan? Because your plan is already blessed. Your plan is already sanctioned by heaven. And that's why the scripture says in Psalm 65 that the Lord crowns the year with goodness and his paths drip with abundance. And that's what Solomon is saying. He's saying, learn to trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. And before you make another move, I want you to hear that. Before you make another move, acknowledge him. This is what we do now. We make the decision and say, God bless it. God said, man, I hear that. That's your idea. That's your dream. And you've deviated from the path that I ordained for you. Notice the fourth thing. When we acknowledge him, guess what he does? He does what? He directs our path. Uh, uh, There are a couple other translations that I want to read because it helps us understand what, 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 uh, what Solomon is saying. In the voice translation, it says, place your trust in the eternal. 
and rely on him completely. Never depend, hey, upon your own ideas and inventions. That's what most of us do. I got a great idea, but it wasn't necessarily a God idea. And now we're wondering why everything's falling apart. Verse 6 says, give him the credit for everything you accomplish, and he will smooth out and straighten the road that lies ahead. Here's the third one, and this is the verse or the translation that we're going to use as we examine the life of this teenage mom. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not depend on your own understanding. Ah, here it is. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. The text begins here in Luke chapter number one. We should have it on the screen. Follow along with me. Uh, We also have notes available on version. Uh, Luke chapter one, beginning at verse number 26. Now in the sixth month, The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. We already had a a little bit of a backstory of the conditions that existed in Nazareth. Underserved, poverty-stricken community. And of all the places that God could have shown up, he chose Nazareth. And he appeared to a virgin who was betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Isn't that good news to know that no matter what your situation or circumstances, the circumstance may be, that God is with you? I think a lot of times what happens is we get so fixated on the problem, we get so fixated on Nazareth, And what we do is we magnify the problem and minimize our God. And so when the angel shows up, he gives this word of reassurance. And he says to her, Mary, don't lose hope. God knows exactly where you are. And he knows exactly what you're going through. And for that reason, begin to rejoice. Number one, because you're highly favored and you're blessed among women, even though your situation and your circumstances now do not reflect it. I'm with you. Even in Nazareth. And notice what he says next. Uh, Verse 29, it says, but when she saw him, uh, she was troubled at his saying and was considered what manner of greeting this was. Have you ever been in a place in your life where God started speaking to you and you're like, man, you talking, are you sure you're talking to the right person? Are you sure you got the right Mary? Are you sure you got the right Terrell? Are you sure you got the right Wendy, Jesse, Pat, Tony, Tasha? She was troubled when she heard it. Surely I can't be the favorite of the Lord. Surely I can't be blessed among women. Angel Gabriel, if you came here to mess with me, you got the wrong chick. And she was troubled at his saying. How many of us have heard God whisper his promise and his plan and his purpose? And we look at our lives and we look at our circumstances We say to ourselves, surely God can't use me. Surely God can't mean this for me. And notice notice what the angel says. He offers another word of reassurance. And he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I have found that in the scripture when God says, don't be afraid, (laughs) he's about to lay some stuff on you. It's almost like he's he's preparing you for what he's about to say. He says, girl, you you got so much favor on you that everything from your life from here on out is never going to be the same. Your life from this point on, because of my favor on your life, will be marked with scandal. I'm talking about when the plan of God and the purpose of God Bring such disruption to your life that you have to lay aside every plan 
every dream and submit to what he wants. Because for 6,000 years, the nation of Israel has waited for this Messiah. And God says, the way I'm going to do it is going to blow everybody's mind. And guess what? You're central to my story. But Lord, why would you do this? And why would you do it now? Because all the ladies in the room can appreciate this. Mary has just said yes to the dress. You know what I'm talking about? And then saying yes to the dress, it may mean that she didn't even have enough to go to the bridal store. That maybe it was her mom's dress that was patched up and sewn up. Because again, remember, Mary was from Nazareth. And and Joseph had just put a ring on it. And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord shows up and he says, God really likes you. And God's going to demonstrate how much he loves you and how much he likes you by interrupting your whole life and turning it upside down. That's how much God loves you. I'm talking to people who are in that place right now. And you know who you are. You know who you are. But notice what he said. The Lord is with you. Uh, And the story continues. In verse number 30, he says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now he announces the plan of God. He says, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. That name Jesus is also translated Joshua, which means the Lord saves. And he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Verse 34, then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? Since I ain't been with no man. Come on now. I'm talking about the promise keeper. I'm talking about when the miracle shows up at your house. Can I tell you this? That's where it begins. The scripture says, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. You know what that means? That sometimes walking with God means that you have to obey an illogical instruction. It's not going to make any physical sense. It's not going to make any biological sense. But God is right in the middle of the instruction. And notice, like most of us have questions. Like, Lord, help me understand. How can this be? The angel responds in verse 35, and he says, uh, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. And therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. God is bringing us into a season where it's going to happen supernaturally. Oh, y'all missed that. No, I want you to hear that. God is bringing you into a season where the thing you're trusting him for will only happen with his divine help. Y'all miss what I'm saying? It requires that you and I lean into God like never before. It requires that you and I trust God like never before. It requires that you and I begin to cultivate a relationship with God that we've never had before. I was listening to a pastor, and he was preaching this message, uh, 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 giving a word of exhortation. And he said the night before he shared this exhortation, uh, he had a dream. And in the dream, his grandson asked him if he could play uh, on the playground, but he could see where his son, his grandson was from the window. And his grandson's on the playground, and he's out on the playground, and all of a sudden, this mysterious guy shows up, starts to talk to his son, and by the time he can get out there, the guy's already abducted his grandson, and he's taken off running. This pastor said he flew through the door and started to chase this guy as fast and as hard as he could. And then all of a sudden, the gentleman stopped, turned around, and gave him back his grandson. And he heard the Lord say to him, he said, son, when you pursue me with the same intensity that you pursued this man you thought was taking your grandson, you will find everything 
you need. He said he had been praying for something for two years. And when he began to lean into God within two weeks, the two things that he had been waiting for for two years happened. Let me tell you what happened. And the Lord showed him. He said, what you're looking for is not out here somewhere. Everything you want, I have. But because you choose to live your life without inviting me, you out here searching for everything. You think it's out there, but everything you want, I have. And when you make a decision to pursue me instead of the stuff, you will have everything you want. How is it going to happen? It's going to happen supernaturally. I'm going to do it. It's in my hand. The scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. How do I learn to trust God? Here it is. Number one, trust that God loves you. That's where it begins. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse three says that I have loved you with an everlasting love and I have drawn you with my loving kindness. You know what the scripture says? He says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. And it is his love that draws us. Why is that important this morning, City Church? It's important because the scripture says perfect love casts out all fear. You know what that means? It means when you and I begin to understand how much God loves us, it will cast out all fear about all things. Because I know how much God loves me. And because I know he loves me, it drives out fear about the present. It drives out fear about my past. It drives out fear about my future. And I can learn to trust God because I can trust the God who I know loves me. And he says his love is an everlasting love. God loves me. God loves you. And it's not performance-based. Here's the second way I learned how to trust God. I learned to trust that God is only good. I want you to hear that. He is only good. God is only good. I want you to hear that. God is only good. We need to hear that. God is only good. He's, he's, not, he's not sometimey. Like I'm going to be good to you one day and mean to you the next. He is only good. And that's why the psalmist said, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. When Moses said to, 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 to God, he said, show us your glory. You know what the Lord said? He said, I will cause all my goodness to pass before you. You know what the glory of God is? It's to see his goodness. And God had to hide Moses in a rock because his goodness was too much for Moses to behold. When you and I get a revelation of how good God is, it will bring us to a place where we will trust him implicitly with everything about our lives because the God I serve is only good. And that's why Psalm 84 verse 11 says, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Because he's only good. That's why the scripture says in James chapter 1, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. Because our God is only good. Number three, how do I learn to trust God? I trust that God is faithful. That means if God said it, he is going to do it. I don't need to understand how. I don't need to understand when. But if he said it, he will do it. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 24. This is what it says. It says, the one who called you. If he called you, the scripture says he is faithful and he will do it. Are y'all with me, City Church? Trust his love. Trust his goodness. Trust his faithfulness. And that's what we learn from this young teenage mom named Mary. Verse 36 says, Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. He's reminding her. He's saying to her what God did in Elizabeth, he's also going to do 
in you. Elizabeth was barren. And there are times in our lives when God will do what I call a simultaneous miracle. He will do something in somebody else's life that will cause you to believe that God will do it in your life too. This is where we get it twisted. We see somebody else's miracle while we're on the sidelines and we start to hate. When God said, I put that miracle right there in proximity to you so you can trust me for your miracle and know that if I did it for them, I'm going to do it for you too. God does that. He does miracles all around us all the time to reveal that he is faithful. And if he did it for them, he'll do it for you. And so as he's building faith in Mary's heart, he says, look at what I did for your cousin Elizabeth. You know her story. She was barren, but I gave her a miracle, and I'm going to do it for you too. Notice what he says in verse 37. For with God, nothing will be impossible. For with God, nothing will be impossible. When the angel announces that she is going to be the mother of Messiah, she doesn't even turn to her mom and dad. She runs into the country to her cousin Elizabeth, and she stays there for three months. I'm talking about the inconvenience of obedience to God. Now she's got a baby bump. She hadn't even told Matthew, uh, not Matthew, hadn't even told Joseph because it doesn't happen much later when she shows up to tell Joseph, I'm pregnant and God did it. Showed up with a baby bump. I, I, I want you to hear and I want you to see what's happening in the life of this teenage mom. She stays with her cousin for three months because she can't even stay in her own house. Huh? And, and, and when she goes to the man that she's about to marry, the scripture says he was about to put her away privately. I can't deal with this. Scripture says then the angel appeared to Joseph and said, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Because what she is carrying is the very son of God. And from this day forward, your life will be fully disrupted. Nothing will ever be the same. These guys, man, I don't know who this is for, man. I don't know who this is for. But these guys are in the hardest place of their lives. Yet God is all in the story. If I'm, if I'm God... Again, I have to reiterate this. And my child is about to be born. I will make every preparation and every accommodation for them. Yet they show up in Bethlehem in obedience to God. And there's nowhere for, their, nowhere for Mary to even have the baby. But God was all in it. Can I tell you? Can I tell I'm preaching to myself this morning. Can I tell you that you can be in a hard place and God can be all in it? That you're in that place not because you missed God, but because you obeyed God. And like Paul prayed, I don't just want to know you. I don't just want to know the power of your resurrection, but I want to know the fellowship of your suffering. This is grown Christianity. This isn't for wimps. Ain't for wimps. Ain't for wimps. God's all in it. He's all in your Nazareth. He's all in the painful places. He's all in the places that hurt, where people misunderstand you, where people mistreat you, where they say all manner of evil about you, including your family, including your friends. He's a promise keeper. He is a promise keeper. And that's why the scripture says, don't lean to your own understanding. Don't lean to your own understanding. Because you won't be able to explain this season fully. Why is it so hard? Why is it so easy for everybody else and so hard for me? What's wrong with me? 
Lord, I know, I see what they're getting away with. And the more they do, it seems like the more you bless them. What about me? I know I'm in your will. And there ain't no place for me to have this baby. Ain't no place for me to have this baby. Ain't no place for me to, I didn't sign up for this. All I did was be obedient to your word. This wasn't my dream, this is your dream. And why does it have to be so hard? Uh, notice, notice what's happening. Is, man, I want to go somewhere, but I don't know. I feel something pulling on me. I hope we get there. Uh, notice what the scripture says in verse 38. Here's the game changer. Here's the game changer. Here's the game changer. Verse 38, then Mary said, behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Can I tell you what I believe the Lord is doing in this season, in your life? He's simply waiting for your obedience. Lord, I don't understand it. Lord, I may not like it, but let it be unto me according to your word. Just as you've said it. Just as you have planned it. Just as you have ordained it. And Lord, every step of the way, every single day, my part is to obey you. And your part is to determine the outcome. But Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. Can I tell you something that's fascinating about the way God works? This is what he said in his word. He said, obedience is better than sacrifice. And most of us try to sacrifice our way into God's favor when we are disobedient the whole time to what he's saying. We try to sacrifice our way out of our problems and we disobey the one thing that God said do. And sometimes, y'all, let me tell you, it's not just about the obedience. It's about something else that's important to God and that is our attitude while we obey. And that's why the scripture says in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 19, if you are willing and obedient you will eat the fruit of the land. You will eat the fat of the land. Notice, if you are willing, that is the attitude. And obedient, the action. Most of us obey God complaining and throwing a fit the whole time. Here's a young woman whose entire life has been interrupted and disrupted and her response is, be it unto me according to your word. And notice what he'll do as a result. He will show you which path to take. Look at verse 45, Luke chapter 1 and verse 45. These are the last words that Elizabeth speaks to Mary before she departs the house. And this is what she says. He said, blessed is she who believed. Blessed is she who believed for there shall be a fulfillment. I want you to hear that. There shall be a fulfillment of those things which were told to her from the Lord. Can I tell you that that promise belongs to you today? If you will simply believe God's word, if you will simply believe the promise of God, there shall be a fulfillment of everything that God has spoken concerning you. Moment of transparency. Ah, y'all ready? Several years ago, uh, just before we started City Church, uh, there are several foundational verses the Lord placed in my heart that would be foundational to City Church and what would be sort of the tone and tenor of our church. And I promise you I'm going to wrap up. And notice it's only 1109. I know y'all can't believe it. I'm doing better. One closing. 
I've been hitting you over that one closing all month. Actually, it started last month. One of the verses of scripture that the Lord gave me was from Exodus chapter 3. In Exodus chapter 3, the Israelites are about to, to leave Israel. It's the night before the Exodus. And God says to Moses, you will not go out empty-handed. That was a promise God gave me and Wendy before we started City Church. You will not go out empty-handed. We've always stood on that promise. And God had been faithful to that promise every single step of the way. For a moment of transparency, lately, man, I've just been fretting, been freaking out. Because I've been asking myself the question, God, what's next for us? We gotta, there's some transition things that gotta happen. That gotta happen. Gotta happen. And I know you want that for us. Because in prayer, felt like you impressed that on me that there is a next level for us. But that next level seems so much bigger than what we can do on this level. Like, Lord, how are we going to do this? So here I am, you know, looking at different properties in the area. Found this one property, man. Uh, that's like, man, this would, be, this would be fantastic. But everything, every single thing in the natural said is impossible. Can't do it. And so as, I, as I'm wrestling with it, man, there's just this pressure. You know how sometimes when you're under pressure, this is just real talk, you, you feel like you need to do something and you need to do it now? Feel like you need to do something you need to do it now. And it seemed like the Lord just reminded me and said, Ray, what did I tell you eight years ago? You will not go out empty-handed. You will not go out empty-handed. The first large gift we ever received for City Church came from somebody we weren't even thinking about, unsolicited. It was around the same time. Was it two days before Christmas? Three days before Christmas? Two, oh, Christmas. Two days before New Year. You know, yeah, you get those calls. It's like, man, I, well, the person called, and like, man, I wonder what they want. And you don't, you don't answer the call, and then y'all know how y'all do. You listen to the voicemail. See what they want. So I listened to the voicemail, and the voice on the other end of the line, man, there's this urgency. It's like, hey, man, no, I think it was Christmas. Was it Christmas? I forget now, but for whatever reason, I didn't want to go see this guy. It was in December. So this guy's like, man, look, man, I know you're real busy, and uh, it's a busy time of the year. Man, you and your wife mean so much to us. I just, I just want to see you before the end of the year. So I said, okay, man, uh, check this out. There's, you know how we, we try to make it as convenient for us as possible. So I'm thinking about all the closest Starbucks to my house. Because I want to make it quick and easy. So I say, uh, let's, let's just meet at this Starbucks. So this guy shows up with his whole family, man. Well, his wife and two kids. And uh, said, man, I'm so glad. you can Look, listen to this now. Listen to this. Listen to this. My wife was the children's pastor at the time. I'm not even sure what you said, what you did for those kids. But this guy, this guy, doctor, surgeon, shows up and said, man, I hadn't seen you in months. But you and your wife been on my heart, man. Been on my heart this whole time. Said, I haven't even found a home church yet. And here's my tithe for the year. Now I'm talking about a doctor. And he slid this envelope over to, was it me or you? Maybe he slid it over to you and I yanked it from you. <laughs> okay, he slid it to me and I slid it to you. Come on, somebody. That's how it happened. I, I passed it to you. Yeah. Come on, somebody. I didn't open it there. 
But when I did open it, glad I was sitting down. That was a Thursday or Friday. Thursday, I think. The following Sunday, he and his whole family were sitting right where Malak and Harry are sitting. Come on, y'all may have a check for us today, Jesus. No, no, I'm just saying, come on, come on. Y'all in that seat. That seat is prophetic. Come on, somebody. Right where y'all sitting. And after the service, count team, man, sent me a text. He had dropped another 40 grand. First was for 79. 79 grand. Now, why am I saying that? Unsolicited. Didn't even know, did, wasn't even thinking of him. And notice when he said it, said, your, said, Wendy, I'm grateful to God for what you did for my kids. You know why, you know why little things matter to me and my wife? It's because you never know. You never know. So anyway, I say all of this. We're in the middle of the fast. We're in the middle of the fast. And I get a call from somebody else, unsolicited. And they say, look, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do a match to get you whatever y'all raise up to 50 grand. This year, I'll match it 50 grand. That happened not because we were soliciting anybody. That happened not because we're twisting anybody's arm. That happened simply because we're in a season of prayer and trusting God. Why am I saying all of this? I'm saying all of this because your pastor been fretting a little bit. How are we going to do this? And, 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 so, and, so, and so yesterday, I felt the Lord say, Ray, when you work, I rest. But when you rest, I work. And the Lord just started reminding me of these miracles he's done for our church. The miracles he's done for our church. While Wendy and I were resting. Are y'all hearing me? While we were resting. And so I just realized, I was like, Lord, this will be a good time for you to go to work. While we rest. That's why the scripture says, this is what the scripture says, that we ought to labor to enter rest. You know what that means? It says if you do anything in your life, what you should work toward is getting to the place where you are resting in him. While you are resting in him. That's where the miracle happens. And so will God do it? After the Lord spoke that word to my, my heart? Have, I have no doubt whatsoever. Let me tell you why your pastor was fretting. Another reason your pastor was fretting. Y'all you know. Y'all know what I say. Who you turn to first reveals where you put your trust. So sometimes you do what every other church does and you got your pastor friends and you call them up and say, hey, man, we got this $50,000 match. We're going to finish the year, blah, blah, blah. They ain't even studying you. Because in your mind, you say, okay, we got this relationship. You always say, hey, man, you're my boy. If you need anything, call me up. And you hit them up. Nothing. Are y'all with me? What do you have left? You simply trust in the promise of the Lord. And his word to us eight years ago was that we would not go out empty-handed. And the Lord's going to do it. It's going to be supernatural, and it's going to be, amen, it's going to be a notable miracle. And the Lord will fulfill everything that he has promised in his word. Our part is to simply rest 
in what he has promised. And when I say rest, (laughs) I mean roll the care of that thing over to him. The word picture there, and this is where I close, promise you. When the scripture says roll all of your care or cast all of your burden unto the Lord, is the picture of a camel in the Middle East. You know the camels? They would have, they were beasts of burden, kind of like donkeys, but they would carry these large loads. And what the camels would do uh, uh, in order to get the loads off their back, they would make the camel kneel and roll to the side to take the burden off of the camel. That's the word picture in that scripture. When the Lord says, cast all of your care upon him, when he says, roll all of your care upon him, that's exactly what he's saying. And that's what the Lord wants for us, everybody in this place this morning, to enter rest. It was a done deal for Mary. Once she said, be it unto me according to your will, the next, very next thing, she went into worship. When you read Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 46, she sang this song of worship to God. Lord, I don't even understand how all of this is going to happen, but be it unto me according to your word. Just as you have said it, I'm going to enter your rest about this situation and about this thing, and I ain't going to fret another day about it because it is in your hands. Let me pray as we close. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more details about City Church and for other resources, visit us online at www.citychurchtv.com or contact us via email at info at If you are encouraged or inspired by today's message, we ask that you prayerfully consider partnering with us financially, either in a one-time gift or as a monthly partner. No gift is too small. We have three convenient ways for you to give. Via our website at citychurchtv.com backslash give. Via text, text citychurchtv and the amount that you would like to give to 77977. By mail, mail your check or money order to City Church Global Ministries, 8105 Razor Boulevard, Box 90, Plano, Texas, 75024. Once again, thank you for downloading today's message. We look forward to connecting with you soon.